we've become more immersed in fear than ever before. And the beautiful thing about that is that right on the other side of that fear is an opportunity to touch on the tenderness and the vulnerability of our situation, the precariousness of our situation. And we're running from it all the time. We're running and we're running and we're running. And it's something that we'll never escape. We'll never escape the fact that being a human being is precarious. We'll never escape that the temporary nature of our existence is vulnerable. And so we come to this moment where the majority of the world, other than Sweden, is locked down and hiding. And in all of this hiding, we've lost track of what is the end game here. We talk about flattening the curve with the situation that's going on. And why are we flattening? Don't don't jump to the conclusion that I think that we should end the lockdown or anything like that. I'm I'm just exploring here. Let's let's just explore this together if we can. So it's just an open-ended question with warm curiosity. Why is this the approach that we've taken? It's now becoming clear that what we understood or thought we understood a month ago in March that the issue was ventilators is not such an issue because 80% of people getting put on ventilators are dying. It seems that they might even be making it worse. And then there's the issue of, well, if everyone who gets sick, seriously sick, goes to the hospital, then people won't be able to go to the hospital who need to get their cancer treatment, who need to get, uh, who, who are in a car accident and so on. People with other issues, they'll be denied the medical care that they deserve. And this is the point that we jump off to what I see as being the core of this whole situation we're in, which is needing to confront this question of what does it mean to die a good death? This is where animism comes in. What does it mean to die a good death? So within the medical system as it is right now, it seems that a good death is thought to be dying on a ventilator in a medically induced coma. And let's just take a moment and sit with that feeling, alone, in isolation, drugged into oblivion. It's a very uncomfortable thing to think about. And it's understandable if we want to turn away. My invitation is to turn towards the uncomfortable feelings and not react. Not react. Oh, there's a hummingbird. Hummingbird just flew outside my window. To turn towards these situations, turn towards these uncomfortable feelings without needing to act out, without needing to try and be right, without needing to try and think that we know something, without having a goal, just allowing these uncomfortable feelings. So just breathing deeply and turning towards these uncomfortable feelings, what is it like 
to die a good death. What does that mean to me? What does that mean to you? Does that mean hooked up to a ventilator in a medically induced coma? And we need to ask ourselves this because the medical system, the CDC, the World Health Organization, all of the big official statements boil down to that right now, as it stands, they are unable to do anything for almost anyone. That the 20% of people that survive being on a ventilator, most of them end up with long-term or permanent lung damage. And this isn't something that's being talked about greatly because we've now gone down this path and it's difficult once we've gone down a path to continually assess that path. It flies in the face of solidarity. And yet I invite you to just stop and think and feel. Questioning the path that we're on as we walk down it risks solidarity, but it provides an opportunity for something that I personally feel is even more important, which is softness, which is tenderness, which is grace, which is kindness and compassion. The compassion of understanding that none of us are getting out of this alive. And by this, I don't mean coronavirus, I mean life. (laughs) None of us are getting out of this alive. Whether it's the virus or a car accident, none of us make it out. That's our shared condition. And when we stop and feel into this, we have a chance to find that tenderness, to find that shared sense of we are in this, all of us are in this together. That is the true solidarity. We are all in this together, and that is the basis of compassion. So stepping back out to the big picture again for a moment and looking at what is believed to be true today, near the end of April 2020, what's believed to be true today is that a vaccine is at best 18 months away from wide administration, that that vaccine, based on other coronavirus vaccines and the seasonal flu vaccine, is not going to be more effective than 30 to 50%, that the medical system, for people who do go to the hospital, can't do anything for almost anybody, and that the fallout from locking down the entire world is likely to be economic ruin and tens of millions of people in other nations that are having food security issues, very serious food security issues, tens of millions of people starving to death. And we can take all of this and be alarmed, or we can take all of this and really feel into it. Feel into the tenderness that there is no escape. If we lock everything down, millions starve to death. If we don't lock everything down, millions of people become sick very quickly and can overwhelm systems, then causing other people to suffer and die. It's like a trolley situation, the trolley paradox, where it's like if you pull the trolley lever, five people over here die. If you don't pull the trolley lever, 10 people over here die. You know, Do you pull the lever or do you not pull the lever? What if it's five and five? What if it's an unknown number? And in this case, it is an unknown number. 
I'm not talking to try and come to some sort of political situation. No one's no one in politics cares what I have to say. <laughs> I'm simply opening up an opportunity for you as you listen to this to transform the fear that is swirling and swirling around this into a soft spot, into tenderness, into kindness. And we do that when we turn towards the discomfort and say, okay, I accept that I am uncomfortable right now. I accept that there is fear right now. And in that acknowledging and in that feeling, we can come back to the question that underlies all of this, which is how do I want to go? I know I'm going to go. So how do I want to go? For me personally, and it might not be the same for you, my preference would be to go at an old age, at home, surrounded by people that I cherish and who cherish me, to have a hole dug in the ground and put me in it and then plant an oak tree on top, to go with acceptance, with gratitude for this profoundly beautiful life that I've lived, with far more resources and abundance and knowledge and experiences and all of the things that I have cherished about life, with gratitude for how much more I have had than anyone who's come before me, for gratitude for all the lessons that were hard-earned, gratitude for all the people that taught me. Those are some, some elements of how I would prefer to go. We're all afraid to die. We're all afraid of what that might be. We stress about death, knowing that heightened cortisol levels are damaging to the immune system over a prolonged period of time. We stay indoors, knowing that vitamin D and fresh air is very important for a healthy immune system. We eat food from a food system that is less and less able to provide nutrition, knowing that nutrition and eating a well-balanced, healthy diet of whole foods is also critically important for a body that can overcome illness. And so we lock ourselves down, and at the same time, we're doing so much to reduce our ability to actually overcome illness. And of course, the illness of the heart and the sickness of the mind that comes when highly social beings like humans are forced into a cold isolation, staring at a little blinking rectangle all day, watching the world suffer and contract, alone, isolated. So I'm not here to give advice, just to ask questions. I don't have the answers. If I had the answers, I wouldn't bother asking the questions. <laughs> All of us need to make our own choices and take responsibility for our own direction. And it's not for me to say that anyone does or doesn't know what's right or true or best, but it is for me to feel into myself, not rejecting any evidence, not jumping to any conclusions. That is a profound gift if we can allow ourselves to not jump to any conclusions, to not stand in front of a Baskin-Robbins demanding freedom or death to not lock ourselves in our rooms and huddle and cower in fear, 
to not take any dramatic action, but instead to follow more of a middle way. What matters more than anything is being willing to ask these open-ended questions, it seems to me, without needing to feel that there is a right answer. And by feeling into the open-ended questions, by exploring with warm curiosity, suddenly all those sharp edges can just soften now. They can just soften a little bit. And as they soften, new space can open up, new tenderness can open up. New possibilities can open up that before we're blinded by fear. Because when we become fearful, the brain's ability to process information drops dramatically. Our reptilian brain kicks in and says, danger, danger, danger. And we're no longer able to think reasonably. So by taking a little step back, which so few of us have been able to do until now, so few of us have been able to take a step back from how the world is around us and just take a little breath, take a little pause, other than the improved air quality and other environmental factors, this ability, this moment to stop and have a pause might be the greatest gift that we could have asked for out of this otherwise very challenging situation. When you find yourself in that little break, in that little pause, I hope that you can find some tenderness for yourself, some compassion for yourself, for what you're going through in this situation, because I know it's not easy. Find some compassion for the people who are screaming whatever it is that they're screaming for. <laughs> just knowing that they are suffering, having just a soft spot of kindness and understanding for people who are huddling and afraid, for the people who are cowering, for the people who haven't left their bedrooms in a month, having compassion for all the different kinds of frontline workers, for the people who are working at grocery stores who, if they were to quit, wouldn't even qualify in most cases for any kind of assistance. And not pitying anybody, not feeling sorry exactly for anybody. Just understanding that we're all part of this whole thing together. And yes, some of us do have it easier than others. Yes, some of us are better prepared and more resourced than others. But none of us are perfect and none of us are exactly right. And none of us are exactly wrong. And in the end, we all die. So is there really anything to fear? <laughs>